Baker Mayfield, undraftable, off my board. The Cleveland Browns select Baker Mayfield. Welcome, everybody, to the OBR Film Breakdown. I'm your host, Jake Burns. Hope you're doing well. Hope your week's going well. We are in the midst of a transition. Unfortunately, as we know, our Browns lost to the Chiefs on Sunday, and that means the offseason's here, a little later than we were accustomed to, obviously, and uh, far far further down the draft boards than we we're accustomed to at pick 26. But we have to have to drop last season to an extent and start looking ahead. You know, it was a fantastic football season for the Cleveland Browns. They maximized every ounce of talent they had on that roster, and they took great steps towards something bigger. Now we kind of start pivoting and looking at the big picture, kind of the macro view of how they get better, how they get to the next step, and we will delve into the micro in terms of looking at the specific player uh, and, the, and the specific uh, names that you should know in free agency. We'll, we'll get to all that. But for now, I want to get some people on whose voices I trust and value and think you should too, kind of about where the Browns go from here, how they get better, what the big picture things are on both sides of the football. So we will have Doug Lamarie's on, who is, uh, you know, Doug Lamarie is the Cleveland Browns. He covers the Browns for Cleveland.com. He, he's obviously one of the lead writers uh, covering the Ohio State Buckeyes, which we're going to talk about a couple little Ohio State things off the bat if you're interested in that. Um, but it's always good to catch up with Doug. He's got great insight. Uh, it, was, it was time that I spent down in, uh, or sorry, up in Berea. He was always somebody that taught me a lot about, you know, things to ask, ways to ask things, ways to talk to players. He was great, and uh, he's one of the best. And I think I think he uh, provides some great insights in this interview. So we will get right over to that interview. But before we do, your company's salary cap is probably tighter and you can't afford to miss on a new hire. Every person you add needs to fit just right. Indeed.com is the hiring site that helps you find quality candidates instantly. So you can do the part you really need faster, meeting and hiring great people. Indeed searches through the millions of resumes in their database to help show you great candidates instantly. With Instant Match, you see a list of great candidates with zero weight. Want our quality shortlist fast? You need Indeed. Right now, our listeners get a free $75 credit to upgrade your job post at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. This is Indeed's best offer anywhere. Get a free $75 credit at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Offer valid through March 31st. Terms and conditions apply. We're going to talk about the folks at Action Network. The Super Bowl's coming. As heartbreaking as it is that, that the Browns aren't involved, it is coming. We'll all be watching. The, the The best way to celebrate that big day is to bet on the game. You know, I typically throw some parlays out there. I will throw a, a few prop bets as well. It just makes the night more enjoyable as you're watching. And we want to let you know at Action Network about the sports betting opportunities that they have to gain knowledge and to get an edge. 
Action Network is where sports fans go to bet smarter and experience real financial gains. In fact, the Action Network app was recently named the best app in sports betting, and with an Action Network Pro subscription, you can unlock the very best of the app. So when you sign up for an Action Network Pro subscription, you can access the Pro Report, which includes expert projections for every game across all the professional leagues. You can see money and bet percentages on every game, so you can see the teams professional gamblers are betting on. And if you take advantage of Pro Systems, which match winning historical betting trends with the latest games and lines, you can track every bet you make as well and get alerts in real time. So if you're looking to bet smarter, an Action Network Pro subscription is the very best way to get started. And for a limited time, our listeners can receive 50% off an annual Pro subscription. Just go to actionnetwork.com. Go there now and receive 50% off an annual subscription when you use the code BREAKDOWN. That's just Breakdown, all one word. This offer won't last, so go to actionnetwork.com to sign up for a pro subscription and use that promo code BREAKDOWN to receive 50% off and start betting smarter today. So now, let's get over to our interview with Doug LaMarie. So, Doug, before we get started, I got to ask, what I, I know you were staying at home, told me off air, you haven't traveled any games, but how how wild, kind of frame it for me as quickly as you can, how wild the, the Ohio State football season was for you covering it. Oh, I mean, the idea of not thinking they weren't going to play to where they wound up. It's funny. They wound up exactly where I thought they would wind up. You know, when we were talking about them in the summer, we thought they would win the national championship. You know, and we thought, OK, it's Clemson, Bama and Ohio State. It's just it took 36 different twists on the path to that. But it really it's funny. Like by the end, it was like, yeah, this is sort of what we thought. It just was so weird. And again, I mean, I think for. Ohio State fans, it wound up being like a really memorable year. It is hard to get past a little bit that they didn't play the Michigan game. That is a thing I keep reminding myself of. of like, mm-hmm. hey, it was almost like Ohio State fans had everything they wanted. And it's like, oh, yeah, except the greatest rivalry in sports didn't get played. But in almost every other way, to beat Clemson, to get to test yourself against Bama, show where you maybe come up short, I, I, I think it was almost everything Ohio State fans could have asked for. It was, it was pretty wild, but also kind of typical. Two quick hitters off of that. I know people are here for the Browns, but I always like to chat Ohio State with you. Ryan Day's the dude. I, it feels like Ryan Day's been there like seven years, but he's like the dude, mm-hmm. right? Two years in, you you've covered Urban. You've you've been around the Trestle years. Like he's he's it. They feel great about him. And do you think that the NFL really makes a run at him in a few years? Young kids wants to do something here, not in a hurry. He's forty one. He has all the time in the world. I keep saying I'll be surprised if Ryan Day is never an NFL head coach. That would surprise me. But I think, like, I just think he's here for 10 years. You know, I think he can go try that when he's 50. Um, I just think it's like, Jake, you know, you get to understand this more as you do it. Family stuff really does matter. And when you're in the coaching business and you move everywhere and he had a stretch, you know, he was in college, then he went to the Eagles with Chip Kelly, then he went to San Francisco with Chip Kelly, and they had like three moves in two years. You settle in here, he's not in a hurry to go anywhere. He's got one of the best jobs in college football. The recruiting is going great, and I think he wants to win a national title. I think he wants to see how good he can be. So I think the NFL is going to keep coming and, and going to knock on his door. I just don't think he's going to open it because he knows they'll, they'll keep knocking. He's not going anywhere. And we have to remember, he is so young. He really is. I mean, he he can get put in a great run at Ohio State and then think about that. Well, I I talked to somebody about this the other day, like the burnout at the end of the football season. And obviously this football season was more taxing than almost any other. Maybe you didn't travel, but it's like 
you know, you were in one location like I was. I know you were. You didn't leave home very much. It's like you're writing from the same location. You really don't get to see fresh faces. It just felt like the longest football season ever to me. Maybe some people it was a blink of an eye. It just felt like I, when they lost to the Chiefs and I wrote a couple things and I'm working on something for Mayfield by the end of the week, I'm just kind of burnt out. And I, I'm, I'm always fascinated how how coaches don't get burnt out. And it's, it, it brought me back to like what seems to happen with Urban Meyer. And, and like he's... Florida burns out, Ohio State just kind of by the end, the stress, everything kind of burn out. What do you think of the Jacksonville situation? Like, do you think that Urban, it, 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 he's always seemed quintessential college guy to me, just the the approach, and I'm not talking about the offense because that's not going to be a thing. He'll bring in somebody to run an NFL offense, but like, how do you envision this situation going for him as your initial, maybe you haven't put much thought into it, but like just your initial takeaway when you're like, oh, Urban is the coach in Jacksonville now. Yeah, no, I think he's smart. He's very calculated that he he found the right opening, right? I think most people would agree this probably was the best head coaching opening in the NFL because of the picks, because of the cap space. Um, and he's going to have to tweak a little bit, right? And, and I remember asking him, having this conversation with him three about three years ago, that he is not an X and O's coach, as you said, Jake. He's a culture coach now, and he likes that. He said, I don't, I, I don't know if some guys like it. I really like it. So he likes doing that. He just is going to have to tweak it for the NFL because he has a lot of motivational sayings. They have, you know, wrist, you know, wristbands that they wear that have motivational stuff on that. And, you know, it's different when it's teenagers versus millionaires. But he's smart enough to know that. And he'll tweak it. And he talked about he's talked to his NFL guy, you know, Ohio State guys in the NFL about that kind of thing. He's very good at building structure. And the testament of that is what is Ryan Day's success, that Ryan Day stepped into a winning machine at Ohio State. All credit to Ryan Day. But in building a strength program and building a nutritional program and building, you know, structure, what you expect from coaches, all that motivational stuff. Urban's really good at that. And he got I think gets to tear it down. It's almost like an expansion team in Jacksonville a little bit. Tear it down and start it up. And I don't mean to be hyperbolic, but the last Ohio State coach who went to the NFL was Paul Brown. And Paul Brown built it from the ground up with the Browns. And then he went and built it from the ground up with the Bengals. It's a great opportunity. I'm not making that comparison. But there is something about Urban gets to inject everything he wants to do, how to run an organization. And he's going to go be a CEO there. He's a great offensive football mind. He's not going to X and O it to death. He's going to try to teach people how to win. And if he tweaks it enough, I think he has a chance to do it. I mean, he really is compelling in that way. And, you know, you get a franchise quarterback and some money to spend, and that helps a lot, too. But I think he's got a shot. It's it's going to be interesting how he navigates that fine line, like you mentioned, between how you establish culture, how you build a brand in the NFL, because it's just a completely different type of person you're dealing with. And like these things don't happen often. We got Nick Saban, like what, 12 years ago, whatever. I don't I can't even tell anymore. And you get you obviously get Pete Carroll, but that was a completely different kind of forced out of USC situation. So I, I'm just, you know, when these when these college big names go to the NFL, I think it will be the most, and if he pairs himself with Trevor or whatever, the most uh, outside of Cleveland compelling storyline for me. So we will maybe revisit that in a year or so and, and see see kind of where we where we stood here and, and what it looks like at that point. But let's get to the Browns. You were on More Sports Les Levine last night. I was following you, and unfortunately, due to some technical shenanigans i couldn't hear you i could hear the questions but i couldn't hear you and i, I really wanted to know your answer on it and i didn't get a chance to go back at it yet that's why i text you because i'm like i want to ask him this question myself i want to get this guy on the podcast and ask him myself so like tell me this you were talking i'm like man i want to hear it what what is what is your takeaway your vibe your feeling 
from the 2020 Cleveland Browns season? Just kind of like what it left you with. I feel like they kind of maxed out. I think they did basically everything they could do. And they now have changed the standard. I like the way Baker phrases it. They've raised the standard and the standard's different. So I have zero issue. Like, I really don't think, oh, they should have, you know, they had the Chiefs right there. Why didn't they win it? I think they did everything they could. But now they're just a normal winning franchise. And that means they should make the playoffs next year. And that means coming up, they got to win more than one playoff game. And that they got to be a real contender in the AFC. And it doesn't mean you do it every year. Look at the Titans last year. They make the AFC championship game. This year they lose in the first round, right? But you've got to be in that mix. That's the new standard. Expect the playoffs every year with them. Now you don't play, don't make it every year, but you should make it seven out of 10, six out of nine, right? I mean, that's where they are. And this year got them to that. So I, I think, I think it was almost a perfect football year other than the pandemic. But where Baker was, the way he progressed, the way Stefanski established himself, the way Andrew Barry established how they want to do business, um, I think it was a rousing success that sets them up for a whole new reality starting next year. Well, you talk about teams that that went to the to the level that the Browns did, and then and then, you know, I've met, I've referenced this across this podcast several times. You know, people probably thought in 2003 that the Browns would be back and they would go forward and they would win playoff games. People probably thought in 08 they would find a way to get to the playoffs, and people thought in 2015 they would find a way to get better, not underestimating the Kyle Shanahan impact and so on and so forth. But like, there is the presumption that now, like you said, Baker raises the standard and they're they're expected to go to the playoffs and you look at like i think to myself after that game i'm like who did the the chiefs beat last year well they beat the texans right the texans jumped up 24 nothing on they beat them ended up blowing them out and they went four and 12 the following year now texans obviously had internal pitfalls that were happening and 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 there's no secret bill o'brien situation and what they did in the offseason and currently where they sit now i don't see those things happening in cleveland but you never know so i'm just kind of fascinated with with they did max it out. I like how you said it. They maxed out every ounce of talent, I think, that was on that roster. So you consider some of the things that went their way with the schedule. You consider some of the things that went their way with injuries at key uh, key positions. How, in your opinion, Doug, we'll talk both sides of the football. The offense doesn't seem to need to do much. I, I, I think they've, they invested their assets there. Andrew Barry noted that today. What do they do, though? And I think I got my opinion on this, so I'm fascinated to hear yours. What do they do, though, to become a team that can score 31 points on a neutral game, turnoverless kind of game against the Chiefs? Like, what do they need to do to get to the next level? They got to score easy. That was the big thing to me. It's, they are good at scoring hard. That 18-play, eight-minute drive, right? That, And we know Nick Chubb. We've seen the fourth quarter. You pop the big runs. It's Odell Beckham. Or it's somebody else. You know, I Jalen Waddell is not going to fall to 26. But, like, uh, you know, if Jalen Waddell falls to 26, I've got a reason why you take Jalen Waddell and hold off on the defense pick in the first round. They've got to be able to score easy because they really grind it out, right? That, you know, yeah. the run game, throw to the tight end, Jarvis in the middle of the field. They don't have that explosive over-the-top part of the offense. And – it affects not just those plays, but it stretches a defense and makes a defense defend more of the field. You could see late in the game, you know, the, the, the Browns are scared of the Chiefs throwing deep on third and 14. So Chad Henney has all kind of room to scramble, right? Whereas 
when they're throwing a swing pass to Kareem Hunt, the Chiefs are flying up to make a tackle on him because they're not worried about getting beat deep. Because who's going to beat you deep? You're not scared of Donovan Peoples-Jones. You're not scared of Rashard Higgins in that moment. So I really think that's the last piece. Everything else works. The fact that they're bringing back this entire offensive line for how good that line is, how young relatively that line is, that is an unbelievable luxury. Same thing in the backfield. But that's the last piece, and I think they need it. I think that's an absolute must, which is why anybody who thinks Odell is a negative, I just think, man, what are you thinking? Like, that's what Odell you can add back in to what is a fully functional offense otherwise. But I don't think you can beat the Chiefs if you can't throw a 75-yard touchdown. And I don't think you can beat the Chiefs if you don't have the threat of throwing a 75-yard touchdown on every play, which gives you 10% more breathing room for everything else. Fantastically put. I, I, I've said and I've, I've noted that the, the, how I feel like they've operated for most of the season is two things. They, they, if you build this team like a basketball team, they got a bunch of great mid-range shooters. They just, they just have a bunch of guys who are good 12 to 15 feet from the hoop, but they don't have anyone that can shoot a three. They don't have a, they don't have a Steph Curry. They don't have anybody that can make a big play uh, from a distance. And I think that you're right on with saying how you said it. I think they have overlapping skill set guys. You know, you want Jarvis Landry to have room to operate in the middle of the field. You want Austin Hooper, David Njoku to have that room. But they all do the same thing, essentially the same thing. And Rashard Higgins can do some different things, but he's also not a fleet-of-foot guy either. So there's a role for Rashard, but he's also not running deep. What I was amazed by, Doug, and you probably noticed it too, is the Chiefs came out and said, hey, we're going to do a couple things that Mayfield doesn't handle well. We're going to... We're going to do some some pre-to-post-snap craziness, which I don't know if you watched it all 22 yet or talked to uh, anyone on staff that spends a lot of time with that, but like they were rolling Tyron Matthew down uh, from his deep half and then rolling Daniel Sorensen all over the field. They were just doing some manipulative stuff, and it was really interesting to see, and Baker was beating it. He didn't have any problem with it. They were doing the simulated pressure stuff, walking creepers up into the line of scrimmage. Uh, think, think like what the Ravens continually do. They said, we're going to give Mayfield the two things he struggles with most, and we're going to see how he handles it. He handled it well. The end of the game they said screw it we're gonna blitz you and we're gonna walk down in your face and we're just gonna cover you because we're not afraid of you beating man coverage we're not afraid of you beating us deep and that to me is the biggest problem with this current setup as is and you're right like they have to have guys who can beat man coverage at different levels of the field not just short intermediate but also beat man coverage on a post on a takeoff whatever and Odell is one of the guys that can do that if he comes back healthy if you've watched his rehab he's been documenting it it's it seems like he's on a great path and then they got to find somebody else too like there's maybe one more guy in that mix maybe Donovan Peoples-Jones takes a leap I don't know we have to see, but they definitely need somebody on the field that makes the defense, when they plan for Cleveland, think we cannot just play cover two. We cannot just sit up and press. we got to be able to have somebody over the top. And when that happens, it eliminates a guy in a low hole or it eliminates a guy playing downfield quick in the run game, and it's an imperative thing. I don't know if Odell's the answer. There's there's a ton of wide receivers in this class. I wish I wish Chris Olave would have went into this class because I was fascinated by him. But it is it is the one thing they have to entertain, and it could just be a natural fix that Odell comes back and it fixes itself. But spot on about bringing everybody back. And how unique is it that they bring back an entire offensive and defensive staff for the first time in what feels like forever? Off of good play, too. Not like just bringing them back because they feel like the ownership group has. No, these guys earned the right to all come back. So, um Listen, that's where I'm at. It seems like you align with me. I don't. I'm not here to argue yeah. Jarvis Landry stuff. That's not. That's not me. 
Jarvis does things that I think are unquantifiable at times. I think he does some things uh, that can still be really productive for a football team, but you have to find ways to give him the room to do those things. And I think that's imperative too. So we're talking defense too, because as is, is, is spot on as you are about the grueling nature of how they go about scoring, the, the, the way that they're good about scoring ugly, it was the complete opposite defensive defensively where it just kind of felt like they were good at giving up touchdowns ugly like they would just let people right they would just let people go the thing that was amazing to me Doug is the Browns offense only had seven possessions Sunday you know we were you were worried about the Chiefs going up and down the field beating you over top well the Chiefs just controlled the football that's all they did they were just taking easy throws and what was the most amazing thing to me is is when you go back and watch the level of difficulty in the throws Mayfield was forced to make against what Mahomes was forced to make. It was it was jarring. And it's like that for Pat a lot because of what their weaponry is around him. But, like, that's the difference. So, I mean, if you're looking at what they have to fix, you've, you've probably invested some thought into this. Like, where do they attack and what kind of remedy do you think needs to be done? And, like, I know they're getting greedy back. They, they might get a version of Grant Delpit back. The Achilles recovery is... It's person to person. It's weird, but like they think they're going to get a version of him back. So I mean, where where do you think they draft? Considering they get greedy back, they get Delpit back. Do they need to add safeties? Do they need to add corners? Where are you at with it? So I all off season when anybody ever talked about the linebackers, I always said I don't care. I get it. Like their linebackers are cheap. They're not that good. But you can't be good everywhere. I'd rather invest in offensive tackle and other places and save money on linebacker. And I felt like. Their linebacker play wasn't great all year, and it didn't matter until their second playoff game. And then it was like, okay, that's where it hurt them. That's where it hurt them on you flip the Daryl Williams and B.J. Goodson can't track him down on third down to stop him short of a first down. That's where Chad Henney is scrambling, and you don't have a linebacker or safety on the field who can come up and make a play. So I got it. I mean, they can't, you can't fix everything overnight. So I think Andrew Berry's strategy, and again, he's this week is saying what we all saw, which is, Offense priority last year. Now it's going to be the defense's turn. So linebacker, you just need a little more speed there. You need somebody with playmaking ability because you can see what happens when guys get out in open space and in a closed space, BJ Goodson's okay. But Mac Wilson, Sione Takitaki, Malcolm Smith, listen, that's Sione Takitaki missed tackle on the sideline early in the game on a little swing pass. It gave him an extra 10 yards. That's a big play. And that's like I don't, you know, I don't want to. I don't think you can count on Sione Taki Taki really long term as doing anything. So linebacker, you need somebody. I think you need one. And then when you watch Tyron Matthew do what he does, you say, God, I want one of those. <laughs> How do you get a player like that? Yeah. So that's easier said than done. But again, late in the game, you know, they had three safeties on the field a decent amount of the time. They played nickel practically the whole game against Kansas City, but they don't have any playmakers back there. You know, Carl Joseph had one had a good snap where he covered Kelsey really well um, and and allowed Miles Garrett to get that sack on the second down late in that game. That was a good play. But mm-hmm. down to downs, and Dejo, Carl Joseph aren't really doing much for you. So Delpit's a huge piece, right? I mean, I asked Andrew Barry about it today. It's like, you know, you saw what Ant- Antoine Winfield did for Tampa. He's picked one spot after Delpit. And Antoine Winfield's all-rookie, starts all 16 games, and, and Tampa's in the NFC Championship game. Man, if the Browns had had that, and I'm not saying they made the wrong pick with Delp, but I'm saying they picked a guy they liked just as much as people like Winfield, and he got hurt. So you make a great point. There's no guarantee about him coming back. But I just think 
if you had one playmaking linebacker and maybe you had a playmaking safety, because I don't know if you're 100% sure on Delpit, I think this defense takes a jump. You know, and I, I get it. You get into the, you know, is there another pass rusher you can get? But I think that's where it is, you know, that if you get even one linebacker, I think you can patch the rest around him. But man, I, I would spend, I don't know if it's free agency. I don't know if it's the draft. I mean, I've seen people project, I think it's the Tulsa linebacker who mm-hmm. won a bunch of awards. People mm-hmm. maybe think he might be there at 26. But those are the two spots to me that if you make big moves there, I think you raise the level of this defense quite a bit. Yeah, there's the conversation about adding somebody opposite Miles, right? Because Olivier Vernon also tears his Achilles and is right. effectively missing next year. So, but but there's there's the element to me where that is important. But like you said, if they don't feel like they can cover anybody, quarterbacks just get the football out. And if they're right. afraid to challenge anybody at the line of scrimmage, then that's what they're going to do. So can Greedy come back and play bump and run? Can Denzel get down in people's face and they feel comfortable with? Can they finally sign a corner in the slot? Um, somebody who can play all 16 games and can tackle and can run. Like, those guys don't get paid a ton, but like Nikel Roby Coleman, like somebody. They got to get – and I, I thought Kevin Johnson had moments, but he doesn't love to tackle, and he's 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 perpetually hurt over the course of his career – and, and and listen, that that I get that stuff's out of your control sometimes. But you need people that can be on the field all the time, and that position has hindered them for a while, and they have to figure it out. So the secondary I mean, the, has Jake, to the, the do or die play. We know it, you probably weren't going to stop it, but the do or die play on fourth down, the Tyree kill. It's MJ Stewart, yeah, who's covering Tyree kill in the slot, right? I mean, that's the money down. That's what your season comes down to. Not that it's his fault they didn't stop it. But that's what we're talking about here. You wind up in matchups like that a, a decent amount of the time because, you know, they have Denzel Ward trying to shadow Kelsey part of the time. And, like, that's not going to work. And I know Andrew yeah. Berry has said, like, you can't plan for one team. But I, you got to have in the back of your head who is – how are we covering Tyree Kill? I know it's not your priority, right? But slot corner, the way you're talking about it, I, I completely agree on that. They have to find a way to get better defensive backs because even the way – you can ignore this stuff and say we're not going to play for teams, but you got you have to. You have to figure out a way to stop Kansas. And Buffalo's the same. Buffalo between Diggs, Cole, uh, you know, between Diggs, Beasley, and and I know John Brown might be gone, but they got a couple kids there. I I, I think Isaiah McKenzie. They got some guys that are young that are good. They're going to be a, they they run. They're all over the football field. So they're another team with Josh Allen who continually throws the football down. You've got to find a way to defend these teams. And then it's like, if you look at the teams who have been able to stop Lamar and it seems like Baltimore is going to be the AFC North biggest competition for Cleveland in the next five years, they stop them with defensive backs who can cover, but can also come up and play the run and they can box Lamar in. So I think you have to look at improving above all else. I know you want to maybe add another interior lineman. Maybe they let Larry Ogunjobi walk. Maybe they don't. I don't know. But I don't think that's a big factor to me. I think with a weak defensive tackle class, you just kind of status quo it. You bring Andrew Billings back, uh, who's who missed the year. He'll be back. And then you kind of find somebody, whether that's your first or second round pick as the opposite end of Miles. But you have to invest in secondary play. And I, I'm with you. If they can find the right linebackers, Avon Collins is a nice player. Uh, if they can, If they can find... A, set, a linebacker to kind of improve. I thought B.J. Goodson, like you said, had moments. He was the 10th overall, you know, green dot linebacker in, in pro football focuses metric. And 
that's okay. You know, they can be okay there. But if they're only going to be okay there, they better be damn good at safety and they better be damn good at corner. So that to me is like, if you can figure out how to cover people in the NFL, you can beat a lot of people. And that's the remedy right now in the AFC. Like, there are no older quarterbacks. There's no Aaron Rodgers done in a few years. There's no Tom Brady done in a few years. It's Pat's 25, Josh is 24, and Lamar's like 23. So here it is. Figure it out, man. So... Defense is what they and, had and to they figure had, out. And they had three safeties, again, on the field a lot in that game. So even if you like Ronnie Harrison, even if you believe in Grant Delpit, go get another guy, right? Go get, Absolutely. whether it's a big money signing or somebody else, let's have, you know, have too many good safeties, right? That I just, yep. and, and I get, I, I think the thing, Jake, is we get why they did what they did. We understand why Andrews and Deho and Carl Joseph and B.J. Goodson and Malcolm Smith and guys like that were the additions that off this offseason because you had to patch it together in the meantime. But I think we also expect the level of from you've got to take a step up from guys like that. Yeah, they can't they can't status quo that thing. You can't just you can't just say we're getting a couple guys back from injured reserve and hope it works. You've got to go be as aggressive as you possibly can and find a veteran. Find I mean, you know, Tyron Matthew wasn't highly paid. I mean, like he was sought after by some people, but he wasn't groundbreaking when he signed with Kansas City. So, like, you got to go out and find someone that's a, a budget-friendly player a little bit too, but can also have something to prove. And and uh, there's some names, you know, there's some guys out there. I'm not here to really talk about names right now, just kind of the philosophies behind where they get better. But they'll have opportunity, so it'll be it'll be interesting to watch. Doug, it was like I don't know. I think I saw here, man, like eight, August maybe August of twenty. We got to do these more often, man. I appreciate you coming on. I love being with you, Jake. All right, brother. We'll talk. Take care. See ya. All right, big shout-out to Doug for joining us, taking the time out of his night to to catch up and talk about all things Browns, and hopefully you, you got some decent insights from you know what we're talking about there and, and where the Browns are going. And I'm always willing to have these conversations on Twitter. Uh, if you want to get really deep dive, go to the OBR and join with us for a $1 your first month. I just posted a Mayfield film room. Do those every week throughout the season. We will do a ton of, uh, of scout breakdowns of players in the upcoming draft. We'll have a, a, a very large library of players that you can learn about and listen to us talk about as we start breaking down college tape, looking at where the Browns can go with their you know, pick 26 and then their multiple picks in the third round, so on and so forth. We will have all of that stuff for you. We're the home for all draft content, all rumors, and all free agency notes as well as we will break down those players as the time comes. So go there for a buck. Ask any insider questions you would like to have me answered. We will get very specific there. Again, um, check us out at the OBR. Check. Uh, make sure you're checking this podcast out on the subscription side. Make sure you've signed up for that. And make sure you give us a review if you can. Five stars is always appreciated. And uh, just a reminder, we'll be back. We'll have multiple folks on to give you some different perspectives. If you have any questions, comments, concerns, let me know. Shoot me a message on Twitter, whatever. Appreciate you guys listening. Hopefully your week and the weekend coming up go great for you. Until we chat next time, guys, enjoy the uh, conference championships this weekend and go Browns.